and welcome to the sanctuary a safe space to speak from the heart i'm your host israel and my guest today is the super talented guy that leaves on the boat for months and months <laughs> liam harder <laughs> thanks for coming on the show today <clears throat> man thanks for having me yeah um actually you know what before we come to the music and plague which is doing the numbers i i want to start with how did you get to start working on boats and uh, what exactly do you do on the on the boats is it boats or sheep anyway either or either or i've worked on boats i've worked on ships i've worked on whatever you want to call things that float on water (laughs) and some things that probably shouldn't be floating (laughs) so uh how did you get into it and like is what you like what exactly do you do on the boats so by trade i'm a navigator um working on my my mate's ticket so right now i'm mostly just doing deckhand work um it's not bad work, man. I enjoy it. A lot of what you'll be doing is like cargo operations. You'd be loading cargo. You could be discharging um, if you're loading oil, diesel, anything like that. You'd be loading, discharging that. Um, so it's it's pretty hands on. Now, when I get my next my next ticket, it'll be a little less hands on and more of like an administration role um, and more navigating, which is what I went to school for. But uh, it's fun, man. Like, I enjoy working on deck. I do. Um, you get to get your hands dirty, and it's fun. Um, when you say ticket, what is that exactly? Uh, so a ticket will basically be like uh, like a Transport Canada certification, a qualification that allows you oh. to uh, do your job. Kind of like yeah. your degree, kind of, something like that. Yeah, essentially, yeah. Um, yeah. and yeah, it's like a how- degree for us who don't understand university. I wasn't that smart. <laughs> I didn't make that far. So, so but like, away from society. No, 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 no. Cause like what you guys do, it takes a ton of skills, man. Like, uh, I've not been on like a super big boat, but it, it, the thing is, you know, when you're kind of by the harbor or whatever, it's, it's, it's still okay. But then the farther you go. Yeah the more disorienting it is because everything is water like everything is water 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 and then you have to like uh you know look at your gps or whatever that little thing that's tracking where you're going is uh yeah so there's a lot of skill involved but why did you is that what you want to grow up doing like when you were growing up what did you want to be it's a stepping stone to the end goal the end goal so i grew up like on uh like sailing like small sailboats racing sailboats and stuff so the end goal is to eventually get back to that i want to own a boatyard and just kind of fix boats repair boats buy and sell boats um i'd like to get back into the racing scene a little bit more but that's once i have time and freedom and stuff did you do any racing yeah yeah i did a little bit of racing where would you race from to Mostly just within uh, within Nova Scotia on, like, courses. So you'd have, like, a, just like a windward leeward, start downwind, upwind, round a mark. And you could do two or three legs of that. Um, oh. But uh, never anything serious. Like, the like when I was growing up, I didn't have the financial access to get, like, like races are relatively expensive. Um and if you want to race like a double-handed boat, like two people in a in a boat, you have to have a partner who is able to commit the same amount of time as you are, which is kind of hard when you're, you know, like when you're growing up, your kids are like 16, 17, 18, I guess 18, you're an adult, but like 16, 17, when you're really starting to get like hardcore into racing, mm. there's a lot of people have a lot of other things going on. So you can't really have somebody dedicate like like when they wake up to when they go to sleep to racing mm-hmm. and then you can race single-handed boats mm. but i didn't have the i didn't have the money to access owning my own boat and mm-hmm. so it was i like what sell, i could. and like sailboats don't have any in 
engine like do they like, it's just the cells right that's what's making them move or do they have any engines yeah uh when you're racing them you're operating just under sail oh. um now like i've owned a couple like larger like cruiser sailboats and they've all had motors on them just because like like most of the time i'm operating under sail now if i was just going out with like my buddies or something go fishing for the afternoon we'd just go out with the motor and just anchor it off and we wouldn't go far um like 20 minutes out just drop the anchor fish for the afternoon come back in but for the most part like if i was going to enjoy the day mm. um it'd just be sails up just go <laughs> so t with the racing though you are pretty much controlled by the wind in a way how do you yep. like yep. decide where you make the wind make you go you know say you have to go straight and okay, the wind is yeah. going the other way what do you do so with that like imagine the wind has come from the direction of this pen here you mm -hmm. can't sail directly into the wind just because mm -hmm. of like physics and so what you got to do is you got to tack back and forth which basically means you just switch the sails from one side to the other um to allow more wind to access your sails and it kind of works like um like a positive negative pressure propels you forward so as you're discharging pressure aft you're propelling the vessel forward um in like the most basic ex explanation of that so like to get to your top mark which would be the the furthest mark up wind if you're racing to that point mm. you'd have to bank back and forth um and that's where the technicality of it comes into play like that's where you get the people who are like not just like animals in the boat but like geniuses yeah um, yeah yeah i used to wonder yeah. how that happens but but then when you're coming back and then the wind is on you know you're going with the wind and you just let loose yeah. right yeah yeah pretty much there's still like some techniques you can use for going downwind which are like super cool you can use the waves because the waves the waves move in a circular motion in accordance with the wind. So you can utilize the waves and the wind pattern to like accelerate more downwind, oh. which is insane. Like watching people who are really good at downwind is just like, it's beautiful, man. Like people <laughs> can get the boat right up on top of the wave, hydroplaning along and like no way. people who can do that well are just insane. It's you know, insane uh, to watch. Man. Yeah. I was just watching something the other day and it was like this round the wall race. Um, there are sections where the boat is pretty much like almost tilts over and then they're still going. How did they achieve that? Yeah. Uh, so on the bottom side of most like keel boats or, um, keel boats or any sailboat really you've got uh, like a ballast system or a um like a lateral resistance so it would be on smaller boats it's just be like a really thin fiberglass board which would be like a, a dagger board or a center board um and then on the big keel boats like you're talking about they've got like a weighted ballast underneath oh. um now some of the more advanced sailboats like the volvo ocean race or the um like the american cup america's cup they mm. uh they have they use like water ballast and different gravity and hydraulics to adjust their to adjust their uh, their ballast. Mm. And that's like it's it's cool, man. There's so much science in the advanced end of racing right now that it's uh, it's wild. Yeah, it's crazy. I like um, they have all these terms that everybody on the boat kind of understands it's english but it yeah. doesn't sound like english and then they'll say something yeah. and then the other person will chorus it like do, do you have to go to school to learn this or it's just something you pick up uh as you grew up in uh boating and sailing yeah it comes with time it comes with time there's and the weird part is like sailing's a weird sport because it's like the terminology also changes from like boat to boat or like region to region. Oh. Like in hockey, a slap shot's a slap shot, whether you're playing here in Sweden. Mm. But like, even within Atlantic Canada, people got different terms for different things, like tacking, <laughs> which would be like going from the wind from one side to the other side. Some people call that coming about. And it's like, <laughs> if you've never heard it being called coming about or you've never heard it be called tacking, now you're yeah. on a racing boat. Yeah. And some like old veteran race sailboat racers, like, we're coming about. And you're like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> then you look like an idiot. And yeah. So it, it's 
it's something you definitely got to get used to. And there's a million different terms for a million different things. It's, yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, I'm it like, how do they even know what you're saying? Um, and, and I guess that's why teams like, you know, work together for years and years and years. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you know, you grew up in that surroundings and you decide, okay, I want to do this. But to do this, I actually need to go make some money to be able to afford it. Um, what was the process you went through to start working on the boats you do now? So there's two different routes you can go if you want to work on the, the deck or the bridge of a ship. If you want to work on the deck of a ship, you can go. There's, there's a couple different schools within Canada that you can go to. I went to the Nautical Institute in Port Hawkesbury in Cape Breton. Um, so I did a three year program there, which was, uh, Marine navigation technology. And when you leave that, you have three years, all of your courses, which you would otherwise have to just go challenge to transport Canada. And you have to accumulate, uh, 365 days at sea. Over uh, the three years. Ticket. Yeah. Three years in class. And then, uh, one year in total oh oh, oh so four years okay got um, it got it yeah essentially you, yeah, it's four years that is crazy though how do you get the 365 days because you're not going to get it straight right like you know you're not just going to be on the boat no, for one it year it takes a while yeah no some people do man like there's a school in uh in memorial university in newfoundland they offer a similar program you leave with a uh a degree in I think it's ocean sciences. Uh, I could have that wrong or like marine sciences. Um, like I said, I'm not smart enough for university. I didn't make that cut, but, uh, you, you go to school for, I think it's like a, a year and then you go to sea for two months and then you go back to school for like your two years or whatever. Uh, and then you go to sea for like almost a year straight. Like, oh, uh, a buddy I was working with two years ago, he was at sea by the time I met him, he was at sea for like eight months straight. Like that is insane. Starting to man. lose it, man. Like Oh yeah, he was getting the jitters too. Like we Yeah, that's what I was gonna ask. Oh you. man, I'm so excited. I'm like, <laughs> man, like, <laughs> like how do people um stay on, on okay, so there's this guy I was reading about uh recently and he's gone around the world, I don't know, maybe thirty times now all on his own okay in this tiny ass boat right like how do you do that and not go yeah. crazy oh you do that's the thing <laughs> you just embrace it because like you, you know maybe every couple of weeks you'll see someone but between that you're like in this big expanse thing that is trying to kill you pretty much all the time <laughs> that's what I miss mean. too. It's true. Like I, I guess I watch too many disaster films, and like you know, with planes, like okay, and this is gonna be morbid, but you know, give me two minutes. Like with planes, shit happens. Yeah. The plane drops, and that's it, right? But like you know, when you watch yeah. Titanic, it took out like forever for that boat to get to <laughs> you. Know? So it's like you know, it's coming. Yeah. But like you're dying, yeah. like oh man, it's so scary. Um, but I I think you know what what I learned just from reading about this guy is that when you have the passion for something, like you know fear and all those things kind of fade. Is that how it is for you? Yeah, more or less. Like there have been very very few times where on a sailboat I've been nervous or like uncomfortable with the situation. Um. And it varies boat to boat too. Like if you're on your own boat that you've been sailing for a while and you, you know how the boat functions and you can do like different stability calculations and figure out like, all right, if I roll this far, you figure out where your center center of mass is, where your center of gravity's moved and like how much ballast you have and what your writing factor is. You can figure out, you're like, okay, no, I'm good. Like we're only leaning over like 30 degrees. I'm good for another six degrees of leaning over. <laughs> Mentally, I might not be good, but physically like this bitch is not tipping over yeah um so it's like if you if you know that and you're comfortable with that it's okay mm. but there have definitely been times where like like you get on a new boat or like even at work you get on a ship um 
and maybe not the sea conditions, but like just the way the boat handles, you're like, man, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> I woke up upside down today. Like, oh, um, man. Yeah. It, so you weird. take this course, you do the one year thing, you get your ticket. Uh, where was the first, like, you know, after school, what was the first boat you were on and where did you guys go to? How was that experience also? So the, it was cool. It was really cool. I did my first trip out in the summer of second year. Um, so I got like three months there and I went out with a company called Horizon Maritime, which is, uh, they got two offices in Canada. One's based in Halifax or in Dartmouth rather, and the other is based in St. John's. Um, and they were a really great company to work with. Like from the get go, they were very easy to communicate with. And they were like, all right, this is what's going to happen. I was like 18 or 19. They were like, yes, you're going to go on a ship. And I was like, oh yeah, right on. Not a clue, man. Like, (laughs) so they were super easy to like explain things to me. And like, this is what you need. This Mm -hmm. is what you're going to be doing. This is kind of what your job is. I was like, right on. So I just went as a cadet for my first year. Um, and we were working on a, actually we were working on an offshore oil project in offshore Sable Island. It was separate from the, like the deep sea Pinook and stuff. It was, um, oh, what ship was that? The West Aquarius. Um, she was being leased by British Petroleum. Um, and so that's what we did for the first year. I was just primarily running cargo back and forth to the rig which was really cool because you're seeing all kinds of different cargo. You'd be seeing like drill bits that are like worth like half a billion dollars. And you're like, don't even look at them. They'll break. Um, <laughs> like all kinds of crazy stuff, man. We were loading yeah. ferrite, mud, diesel, everything <laughs> to go to the rig, food, yeah. safety supplies, like, and to see the whole operation come together, mm. um, was it was really really cool to see how everything functioned like it's it is honestly like a fine-tuned machine the whole operation mm. um because in canada like the the wiggle room for like any level of fucking up is like zero like, if, you, if, you, like, if you fuck something up because of negligence like you're done like you will never work in that field again uh, holy shit so that is... <laughs> oh yeah man Oh yeah, it's it's serious shit, man. Like it's. Insane. I mean, the, uh, yeah, you're carrying, as you say, really expensive cargo, and then also the human lives on the line too. Um, so yeah. you know, you do this three months, come back, you finish. How did you get the job you're doing now? So this took place. The job I'm doing right now, I was on a waiting list to go to an accommodation vessel, um, which was just doing, there was an offshore exploration rig down Mm -hmm. in Nigeria that I was waiting to go do accommodations for, um, which is basically just, we were on a ship and the ship had a bunch of uh, like living units in it. So Mm -hmm. the rig workers would walk down the little gangway and they swing the crane out and they just walk down onto our ship and then we'd fuck off and get out of the way of the rig again. Um, and they'd have these accommodations where they could sleep, bathe, eat and whatever. Um, and, uh, I was seeing the pictures of it, like sitting at home. I was like, man, I want to go do this. So anyway, I was on the waiting list for that and it just <clears throat> kind of kept getting bumped back because the availability for people to come back and forth and do a regular crew change was kind of weird. And then COVID kind of started to get in there and do its COVID thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so anyway, I contacted the crewing agent of the ship that i'm working on now who's a who's a friend of my father's um Mm. i knew that there was an available position on the ship so i was like man um everything i've heard about the vessel is great um i was like i'd I'd be interested in applying for the role so anyway i just went in did my interview and uh he was like yeah so you said you have references i was like oh yeah i can get through the references so I sent him the references and then within like an hour, he sent me back my offer of employment and I've been there for just over a year now. Wow. So it's been, uh, it's nice. It's nice to have consistent work as opposed yeah. to being like contract here. Yeah, I know. Right. How do you, here. so yeah. when you got that job, did you get on a boat right away or? I think I signed my employment offer 
in like late February, in March 11th, 2020. I, that was the day I joined the ship. Oh, um, so what it was did a you guys go to? Turnaround. Yeah. <clears throat> we, we haven't left Halifax a lot, really, within the last year. Like last year, we were supposed to have a huge year. We were supposed to go do uh, an event in uh, Hawaii, and we were supposed to go. Where are we going after that? Hawaii, and then we were going to go sail to Van, like back to Vancouver, and then we were supposed to do. So we ended up doing the last trip. The last trip was our Euro trip, and we went to uh, Greenwich, Scotland, oh. and Southampton. How long did it take to um, get them from Canada? We to get there wasn't too long. It was about a week, ten days. Mm -hmm. We were taking our time. We were taking our time. We were going with um, two Navy frigates, um, and we encountered some pretty good weather, which was pretty s surprising given that it was like peak hurricane season in the Atlantic. Um, oh yeah, that's true. Which is like, yeah. it's normally you're upside down that whole time. <laughs> uh -huh. but, uh, no. Oh yeah, man. Like, oh, it's insane. Like, you'll be sleeping. And every ship has an immersion suit, which is basically just like a big waterproof Gumby suit that you stick on in case everything goes to shit. You got to jump in the water. Um, there's one of those in everybody's closet. So I take that and I stuff it under the edge of my mattress. So it pins me into the wall. And uh, that's how I sleep at night when we're rocking back and forth. Um, if you're claustrophobic, it's fucking terrible. But otherwise, it's I'm sorry, I shouldn't yeah. be laughing, but it's so funny. <laughs> so, um, and then, yeah, with COVID, though, like, you know, you have to test everyone on the ship. And then when you go to Scotland, like, could you yeah. get off the ship? That trip, we weren't able to. We were, uh, we maintained a bubble for that entire trip. So when uh. we joined, um, the client personnel came on board. They were all previously tested. Um we had a uh, third-party medical practice in Halifax come on board and test all of us. So we all came back. Uh, we all came back negative, which is positive. And uh, then uh, we took off. And the only times we ever broke our bubble and had people come on board was uh, when you're going into foreign ports. A lot of time, you have to have a pilot come on board, um, somebody who's just super familiar with the the topography of the the seabed, um, the currents. Um, any other factors that might play a role in safely navigating the ship into the port. Mm. Um, so we had pilots come on board in uh, both the ports that we went into. Um, but we took some pretty good uh, COVID precautions with that. Only one person accompanied them up to the bridge. They wore masks the whole time. All of us wore a mask when we were up on the bridge. Um, they sanitized their hands. They maintained their distance. And normally, like, a pilot, like, it's normally way more laid back than that. Like, somebody will come on board, like, first thing you do is make them a coffee. Because that's just what you do on a ship. That's, like, the most important thing. Okay. Coffee. Um, it doesn't matter. It could be, like, 4 o'clock in the morning or, like, lunchtime <laughs> or, like, 2 p.m. Yeah. Every time is coffee time. So, it's okay. weird. This guy comes up and, like, we're not, we're, we're scared to death of him. And we're not offering him coffee or nothing. He's normally he'll be like right over, like sitting in the chair beside you. Like, like if we're up in like Scotland or whatever, he'll be like, yeah, yeah, hang a left up here. And that, that castle over there belonged to Queen fucking so and so. And there's some sheep. And, uh, but this guy was just like sitting right back. Like, he was scared of us. He was him. It was weird. But at the same point in time, we're safe. So. We didn't get COVID. So yeah, cool. yeah, that's always cool. Um, so you're back now. Yeah. And um I remember yeah. seeing on your Instagram um uh, Ahora Music. Uh there was like this photo yeah. and it was like friggin' scary and he said plague and you that you're having a song coming out with Key Coffin and Frantic. Okay, this is interesting. Yeah. So it's like you have this one other life that's like you're risk you, well, you know, you're on the sea. <laughs> doing all these things and navigating and, and and then on this side you're doing hip-hop right um like so yeah. we we talked about how the 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 you know seafaring came about how did the hip-hop thing start for you 
uh, I think that's been there long before the seafaring thing's been there. Mm. The uh, I don't know, man. I kind of I found I found hip hop and rap when I was like 12, 13. I was always big into like 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 heavy rock, right back in the day. Um, and it just like man, I was like a wimpy little kid. Like I was I was skinny. Like I could have gone hand gliding on a fucking Dorito. <laughs> Um, and like, I was the target for like most people. Like they were like, fucking get him. And I was like, fuck. Um, but like, like rock and metal kind of was just like, all right, like I can bang my head to this and kind of just fucking for a minute in time, you feel like Mm -hmm. the toughest motherfucker in the world. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, so, and then I found hip hop and I was like, nah, like. Now I feel like the toughest motherfucker in the world. Mm. So you hear, you hear all these people telling their stories, and you're like, man, like, all right, my story's nowhere near as cool as these guys. Like, I'm just little and get the shit kicked out of me. But if if these guys can make it from this, I was like, there's no doubt in my mind I can fucking get out of this slump. So it just made me feel invincible. And for the longest time, like, I don't know, I'd always written lyrics and I'd always followed along and analyzed music but i never had the access to to make music so as soon as i went through school got my job um like the first thing i did when i finally made the connection and the availability was started making music Mm. um how did that start i feel like it was super long overdue so lil frieza is uh he's featured on a few of my tracks uh, he's signed to our label. He's a good friend of mine. We've been friends since I was probably like six. Um, mm. I was in the same class through elementary um, and had some classes with his brother in high school. Like, mm. um, So me and him go way back. He started making music uh, in, a, in a duo group a couple years ago. And I was running a like an entertainment business at the time, sponsoring parties and doing uh, contracts with bars and stuff. And I was like, man, like I'm always looking for like, like little guys, like talented, small, unheard of individuals to come perform at these events. So it was like, man, like Mm -hmm. you want to come out. So anyway, I made that connection after not talking to him for a few years. And, uh, we just kind of kept in touch after that. And he told me, he was like, man, like I've got this, this project I'm working on. He was like, would you want to feature on a track with me? Cause he knew that I had been writing. Um, oh, okay. And it was something I, I was working at. So he was like, man, like, do you want to feature on track with me? And, uh, so I jumped on this track with him. We recorded it in my girlfriend's old apartment living room. Um, and, uh, so anyway, Frieza came over and Blossom Complex came over. Um, and, uh, yeah, we recorded this track called Frieza Bat. And it's like this old jazz boom bap track. It hasn't been released. I'm, I've always egged Frieza to be like, man, drop that. I was like, we can re-record it because we're substantially better now, but you need to drop that. Um, <laughs> what was his reason for not track, uh, releasing it yet? Um, I think everybody's reason for not releasing a track. Everybody is their own worst critic. Um, mm. So Frieza's always been like, man, like I know I can do better. I'm like, yes, and we will someday. Like we will re-record that, and it will be great. Mm. Um, but uh, man, like we finished recording that, and I was like, all right. Like I looked at Blossom Complex. It's the first time I met him, and I was like, dude, I was like, I need your number. Like I was like, we're gonna do this again really soon. Um, mm-hmm. And I think in a period of like couple months we had recorded like 20 tracks or something and eventually we, we put a lot of that <laughs> that's together. insane um oh dude in the last year the last year alone we've recorded 50 tracks and i'm not saying crazy good i'm just saying we recorded 50 tracks so, <laughs> there's some that we're gonna go back to yeah yeah, yeah like, uh, there's, there's like, some that are just wh- like like I'll finish and Blossom will be like, "Hey, what the fuck was that?" And I'll be like, "Man, I honestly I don't know. Um, <laughs> I did my best." Um, <laughs> yeah. um. So so Blossom Complex is like your producer. Yeah, he's my producer and my business partner. He uh, he co-runs the label with me. 
Um, <clears throat> and we've got a good friendship. We've got a great working relationship. And it just, man, like our ideas bounce off each other so well that I was like, man, like we, I got to get you locked into this. And I, I honestly can't think off the top of my head of like another track that I have that's been produced by another producer. Like he, we just, we mesh really well. So mm. a lot of our stuff has been a collaborative effort. Yeah, let, let's talk about Plague. Um, he came out, I love it. You know, <clears throat> Kikoven did his thing, Frantic did his thing, you did your thing. And then it was like this beat switch towards the end, right? Um, yeah. I'm like, okay, 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 I feel this. So that was all Blossom <laughs> Complex, like the entire thing. And, and what was the reason yeah, for that switch at the end? Well, towards the end. So the very, cause the, yeah, there's like side A and side B and then Blossom Complex just goes fucking insane at the end. Mm. Um, and I literally told him, I was like, cause we had, it was kind of structured originally for there to be, um, Frantic came on to chorus, verse, chorus, my verse, chorus, bleed into the switch up, side B, chorus, coffin, chorus, me, outro. And then we changed it up. And we did uh, the side B just goes coffin straight to my verse. And then we were like, man, we still have like all this time left over. Like, what the fuck are we going to do? So <laughs> I just looked at Blossom. And I was like, man, like, go nuts. I was like, do what you do best. Mm. Um, so like, he just worked his magic on that. Um, and I didn't hear that until like the very, like there was a couple master tracks that he had sent me. Oh. And I didn't hear that mix up until the very last master track. It was like, man, I just want to try this idea. And I was like, this is fucking dope. Mm -hmm. like, yeah, that's going on there. Yeah. So, yeah. It, no, uh, completely like that. that. But uh, how did you get to work with Francica and uh, Kid Coffin? Uh, so, Blossom Complex, uh, Frantic and Coffin are in this uh, are in this group called Cult Child. Um, and Blossom produces for Coffin quite often. And for, and for Frantic a little bit. He did that beat. He's done a couple beats for Frantic, but most recently he did that uh, that track, uh, Food for Thought, with Ghetto Socks. Yeah, yeah. So they've all kind of worked together for a while, and Blossom pitched the idea to me. He was like, man, why don't you get these guys? He was like, man, you want to do this aggressive, like, metal rap genre attempt? And I was like, yeah, because that's exactly what it would be if it was just me. It was just an attempt. Um, <laughs> these guys have been doing it. So it's like, yeah, let's get these guys. Like, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Uh, man, I'm not, I can't, I myself alone on that track, it would have looked like the loneliest, saddest thing. <laughs> in life. Um, like, it would have been like a musical attempt. You know the movie Up? Yeah. Like with the house and the blue yeah, yeah, yeah. and shit. You know the scene at the end where the old man is like sitting there all sad, his wife is dead and whatever, and he's, it's just heartbreaking. It would have been like that, but with metal in the back. <laughs> it would have just been terrible. So Blossom was like, "Man, get these guys on here." I was like, "Now we're now we're thinking," because um, I can't do this by myself. Um, so Frank was coming over to collab with me on a song for another project that I have coming out, and this was like a super like kind of in my feelings, like soft R and B love songy kind of thing, and it was going to mm -hmm. be like a happy collab. And then Blossom played him the instrumental for <clears throat> Plague. And he was like, man, can I scream on this? I was like, buddy, do whatever the fuck you want to do. On <laughs> uh, so, and he just started screaming, man. I was like, holy shit. Like, the entire neighborhood is going to think I'm killing somebody. Because <laughs> um, like, it started, like, the initial was, like, those, like, background screams that you hear. Mm. Um, and I was kind of writing my verse for the other song we were doing, which in my head, I was still like in like in my feelings mode. Mm -hmm. And now I hear like this, like pterodactyl of death sound coming from behind me. And I'm like, <laughs> pterodactyl right, we're, doing, we're doing plague now. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, I think you know, with the song, it's like, well, I mean, COVID isn't a plague, but it kind of goes with what we're dealing with, with masks and all that. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, and then keep coughing. How did, how did he join the song? Uh, 
so we had we had uh, myself and Frannick, and I was like, man, I was like, can we switch this up? He was like, what do you mean? I was like, can we put a B side in here? Just go completely into like a like a boom bap, just just super, just fucking boom bap, like old grimy hip hop. He was like, yeah, all right. So we switched that up, and I was like, all right, like we should get somebody on this. So Blossom working with Coffin so frequently was like, man, like he'd be a perfect match for this. I was like, all right. So we hit up Coffin. Coffin was excited to jump on the track, man. We uh, I think he had his verse recorded in like within a few days of me asking him if he wanted to jump on the track. Mm. Um, and it was fire. Like right off the cop, I was like, all right, like this mm. is fuck it. This is going on here. This is awesome. Yeah. I remember and, the first uh, time I saw Keith Coffin. Prof- a- I- I- I'll come back to that. I remember the first time I saw Keith Coffin perform. Yep. I was like, okay, this is not this tall. It's like he's massive. Yeah. Right. And then it's like with the mic and screaming his lungs out. I was like, okay, okay. There's some more passion here. Yeah, go on, go on. Oh yeah. Um, what was I gonna say? Yeah, we pitched the uh, we had pitched the fourth verse to a few different artists, um, but because of COVID, people couldn't get studio time. People were uncomfortable coming to record with us. So I was like, man, I was like, I'll jump on this last verse. And initially, we were going to have the chorus there, but I liked the last bar that Coffin went off of and the flow, because uh, it's like, paycheck dirty like that backdoor at Epstein's. And then I kept going. I was like, they wrecked Bernie 2020. Stop progressing. COVID killed the wrong 1%, and that's depressing. Because, um, like, Coffin took a completely different approach. He was talking about COVID and stuff, but his big topic which was another thing that I've been talking about in a couple just draft songs that I've been doing was like the global elites and like how not only is COVID the big fucking issue right now, but I was like the global elites, people doing backdoor shady deals. Um, Like the people who control our lives without us knowing they control it. So I was like, man, like I like the direction he went with this. I like this a lot. So that's kind of where I went with my, my verse and I like the flow. So I was like, fuck it, we're just going to keep going. We cut the, we cut that uh, chorus, and we just kept rolling with it. And then it left a huge access at the end, and I was like, man, Blossom, go nuts. Like, mm, mm. So. Yo, no. And, and I think for me, you could tell that you guys are having so much fun on that track. Like, I, I like when oh, yeah. people are making music, and you can tell they enjoy themselves making that. Um so like the photo now now you make this song did you kind of come up with this concept for the photo shoot like because the photo shoot it goes in in the tone of the song also yeah we so we uh like in our label we have like in-house photography um we've got like three different photographers so we i just hit up one of them i was like yo what's your availability for the next few days uh, we grabbed him, and we went out and did a shoot. And then uh, my cousin is another one of our photographers, so I was just—I knew her schedule. I was like, "I know you're available. I need you." So we grabbed her that day. We went out and did another shoot, and uh, um, yeah. And then we, I, uh, Blossom does a lot of uh, graphic design as well. So all the edits and stuff he was able to do on his end. Mm. Um, and we just kind of kept playing with that, running with that general theme. Mm-hmm. The videos and the video editing, I did most of that end of it. Um, and we were just able to kind of put together like a a, a, a rollout that fit the aesthetic of the track. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, yeah, it was just a big collaborative effort. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, you know, you've been mentioning about the label, the label. So let's talk about the label. Uh, yeah. Why did he decide to start a label? What's it called? How how are things going? Who's uh, on your roster? Things like this. So the the origin of so we're we're ibex music. Ibex is a species of okay. uh, the largest, most aggressive yeah. species of goat. Goat is greatest of all time. Um, so that's kind of our ego stroking origin of name. Uh, <laughs> he goes stroking but uh yeah man um but it i think it, it was a cool it kind of just came to me and i mentioned it to blossom and he was like yeah let's do it i was like all right so the 
the the whole origin behind why we wanted to start a label was because within my network and Blossom Complex's network of people, mm. we have enough individuals with with talents and abilities at our disposal that people who normally don't have the access to making music and have always dreamed about making music, we can kind of make that a more realistic opportunity for them. Mm. Um, so the big thing with Ibex is just kind of making music accessible for artists and affordable for artists. Um, and we cover a lot of the afterthought music as far as like recording and getting beats and stuff. Um, Blossom complex produces most of the beats. Um, if our artists want to outsource and find uh, a different producer or whatever, if they have the freedom to do that, um, as long as everything clears with us, everything still has to be um, fit the, the, the technical, be up to technical par as mm. far as like a, what a commercial release would require. Um, like you can't come in and be like, oh, man, I got this MP3 rip. Off the computer <laughs> and I don't own it. And I'd be like, no, um, that's how we get sued. <laughs> so there's obviously like there's some limitations there yeah but uh and then we've got the studio that i'm currently building currently sitting in the half completed shell of it um mm. and uh so so is it like in your home studio or the studio is, is it in your no home, I, like your basement or something not yet that that's the end goal is to have a nice big home studio okay um we're looking for houses right now uh, me and my girlfriend but uh the housing market isn't exactly favorable to no halifax anybody is, anybody if you're looking to buy <laughs> yeah that's true uh, it's fucked it's insane man like so so what is it is it uh, like a garage or what Your studio? A, we bought a 30-foot enclosed car hauler. Oh. So, yeah, big trailer. Yeah, that, that sounds yeah, cool. A big aluminum trailer. So we converted the front end is like the... Let's see if I can swing this laptop around. So this is what we got so far. The front end is just basically... I've got carpet down. We've got some acoustic paneling in behind me. I've got some shelves up um, to keep our gear on. Mm -hmm. I'm picking up an Ikea couch as soon as I have like an hour of availability uh we'll put a couch back there i just want to make this area as yep. cozy as it can be because the idea is that like people are going to want to just come hang out and just be creative um and yeah, then we've still yeah. got like the big ramp like yeah. big ramp behind me here that thing still flips down so like i'm looking forward to ibex patio season. oh nice um nice Yeah, so that'll flip down. We can have like natural light in here. I've got all kinds of light in here. I just leave it pretty dim because I'm nocturnal. And uh, then we've got the <laughs> me and you vocal both. Me and kind you of in both. the middle. Yeah, man. Oh. I love working not like pitch black, but like dim enough that I can just see what I'm writing. And uh, <laughs> yeah, like, I agree. I agree. And then blossoms. Blossoms are different. Oh yeah, man. Blo like. If I'm in the studio with Blossom Complex, it's hilarious because he he describes himself as a plant. He needs to have water and light to survive. Um, <laughs> so I wired in a bunch of fucking pot lights for him. We got two pretty big LED lights. Like if I hit on all the lights in here, like it looks like the surface of the fucking sun. So we got that wired in for him. We got some dim lights for me. Um, mm. And then we got lights in the vocal booth. And then in the back um, is, like, some storage. That's where we're going to keep some of our merch um, and some of our gear and stuff. The back completely locks up. It's its own independent thing. Mm. Um, people will be able to have access to, like, the control room and the vocal booth. But the back will only be, like, a few of us who are, like, label execs or whatever. Yeah, uh, how much work is left to get it to where you want it to be? I've got... One, two, three, four, five. We have five acoustic panels left to build. Uh, foam the ceiling. And besides that, just like some aesthetic mm -hmm. stuff. I got the carpet down. 
I want to do some nice wood trim around the uh, around the edges, down the floor, like at the baseboard. Do some trim around the doors and the window, um, just to pretty it up a little bit. Make it like the goal is that when people walk in here, I want them to completely forget that they're in a trailer, except I've got like the jack mm. or the uh, the crank for the jacks. I'm gonna mount that on the wall, so people are like, "What's that?" I'm like, "That's what's keeping us off the ground." Uh, <laughs> that's going to be like the only thing that resembles a trailer in this entire studio. Oh, but, uh, nice. Besides that, it's uh, yeah, yeah, so, it's cozy inside too. Uh, We've got a little tiny space heater. Everything's solar. Yeah, kind of cool. I mean, it sounds like between you and Blossom Complex, you're kind of self-funding this whole thing. Um, I mean, yeah. you know, you you kind of have to want to sign people that will bring some kind of return on, on the investment you're making in them. So yeah. how do you decide the people that you sign on your label? I look at, it's kind of hard because there's so many different, we've got people who are like pop artists, folk artists, and then rappers. And I only specialize in like one of three of those topics. Um, so with the folk and the pop, that's where we kind of got to do our research and figure out like what is marketable and who is marketable. Mm. What can we what can we get into shows? What can we whose albums can we push? Um, like that kind of stuff. So mm. it's I would love to bring on every artist that doesn't have the opportunity to record music in Halifax. But like the other side of it is the fact that we also manage the artists. They're 100 percent free to hire their own manager. But like, if you want us to book you gigs, if you want us to schedule you like podcasts or whatever, like media appearances, like we can take care of that. But mm -hmm. I don't want to overbook myself because then I can't contribute anything to your career. I, I'm not able to fully bring things to the table and mm -hmm. can't commit. So we don't want to flood our roster right now we've got nine people and mm. or eight people and that's pretty comfortable that's pretty mm. comfortable um as those people start to build a platform underneath them yeah. and are able to do their own promotion a little bit more uh we'll definitely be looking to bring a couple people in but uh right now we've got a very comfortable roster mm. Mm. and like uh what a some releases that we should look forward to in the near future so last week i was uh i was in the studio with a high school buddy of mine his name is tristan he raps under the handle twister uh t-w-s-t-r that'd be his initials plus an r at the end mm -hmm. and he like in high school man he was so talented so talented and every mm -hmm. now and then you'll see him drop something on youtube and uh the whole time i'm sitting back and he's rapping on like youtube beats and stuff that you can't own there's no you can't own it you can't make money off it you can't push it on distribution um platforms you, you you limit yourself and the reason was because he didn't have the access to a producer and the route through distribution mm -hmm. so and like that was an example of like a perfect situation of somebody i was just like man like we need to get your shit out there so I spent like four or five days last week, um, like nine o'clock in the morning till there was one night we went till like 10 or 11. Um, wow. And like full days just in the booth recording. Blossom was sending beats. We had another producer uh, sending us beats. And we were just writing, recording, and just just building up enough so we can get an EP under his belt anyway. Um, so we've got his releases coming out currently untitled, um, but that'll be coming out. We've got, uh, Kieran Matheson. He's kind of like a pop artist. He's got a really cool concept album coming out that I can't really go too much into detail about right now. Cause we're completely finalizing the, uh, finalizing it. But, mm. uh, I've heard every track that's on a blossom complex is completely taken that whole project and just kind of um steered that ship so to speak so i've just been lucky enough to hear the masters coming back and i'm like man like this is so good it's uh and pop is again it's not it's not my niche genre it's not something i have any expertise in 
So that's why I just kind of took a step back. I was like, man, I looked at Blossom. I was like, man, whatever you need, let me know. I was like, but as far as like, like knowing what to do with this, I was like, I don't have the fucking sweetest clue. I was like, you take this. Um, and uh, they've been working together on that for a couple months now. And wow. uh, it's shaping up really nice. So that'll be another one just to look forward to. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are the big ones that we got on the docket right now. We've got mm-hmm. my album or my EP off my chest coming out and, uh, I've got another LP kind of in the vault, mostly complete. Um, and we've got a bunch of other stuff, just kind of, we've got most of our schedule laid out until early 2021, 2022. This wow. is 2021. Yeah. That is insane. You know so what? I, I really, really enjoy, enjoy your chats, but uh, I'm going to save some of my questions for the next time I, I bring you to the sanctuary. But I want to I wanna take you out yeah, on this. Absolutely. So on, on one arm, you are this seagoing person, and on one arm, you are like an artist, label, owner, business person. And then in the middle, you also have your partner. How do you bring all these three things together and make them work, especially with the little time you have right because everyone has just 24 hours how do you make it all come together i think i utilize like the most of the 24 hours i can um sometimes to like my own detriment um i don't sleep as much as i should um which is kind of all right i usually clock six hours of sleep and that's like that's a good night we'll get i'm usually up early in the morning even when i'm off the ship um, my mornings always start eight o'clock is like me sleeping in. Um, <laughs> and that's like my time off in the last 12 weeks. I've taken one weekend off. Gosh. Um, and that was just to go up to Cape Breton to visit my girlfriend's family. Mm. So it was like, as long as you enjoy what you do, I tell myself I'm not really working. Uh, <laughs> So it's uh, just being busy. Being busy is uh, not even being busy. Being productive. Being productive mm. is good. Being productive is very good. Mm. Yeah. Oh, man. Liam, thank you so much for coming to the sanctuary and for for making me no, laugh. For and making me. making um, like <laughs> making some of my questions about crazy people on the water make sense. And I can't wait to have you back. And I'm going to play out the show with play because it's, it's crazy. And- in, and I love the song. So, uh, yeah, thanks so much for coming to Sanctuary. No, man, I had a great time. I had an awesome time. Thank you so much. I'm about to-